When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is a proud member of the FanHub 100. Football without fans is nothing, so we've partnered with FanHub to put fans first. Search FanHub app to play your part in the journey. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues, three opinions, one Everton podcast. Welcome to episode 87 of the Unholy Trinity podcast, brought to you in partnership with the Fan Hub, where the fans come first, and also our local business sponsor, Vici Clo. Uh, Pete's not here this week. Lee's back. Lee's back. He had a, had a cracking time when he was doing his downhill skiing down Mount Pleasant last week, but Lee, Lee's back, so we'll catch up with him in a second. Pete's not here this week. He's uh, he's abseiling down, down the cathedral, so good luck to Pete there. Uh, he's doing that all day, going up and down all day. So that'll be it'd be great for him. Um, so if you if you do see him when you go and pass, give him a wave. Uh, but we're also delighted to say we've been joined uh, for the second time on the show, and this the first time was probably a good eighteen months ago off the top of my head. Uh, but we've been joined by Matt Jones from the Blue Room. Matt, how are you, mate? Not too bad, mate. Not too bad. I think the fact that your contributors and guests are all abseiling and skiing, making the blue room not look quite lazy, to be honest. They need to get people out there doing a bit more, I think, yeah. Yeah, we Dave, we Dave Downey's playing 36, 36 holes a day, isn't he? Oh, well, yeah, to be fair, yeah, mate. You know, you know someone like Dave, he gets someone to carry his bag for him and all that. I'm sure he's got a nice buggy to go around on the course with him. So, but I uh, know it's, it's great to be on. I think, I think the last time um, I was on with you guys, it was, it was the day when. It was meant to be Everton versus Liverpool women at Goodison Park. It was called off because there was a bit of a storm. And yeah. I remember making, okay. making my way across Sefton Park in <laughs> hail to get to get to yours. Yeah, oh, but, I remember uh, that. No, it's yeah, it's yeah. good to be back, yeah. Yeah, more than welcome, mate. To look forward to, to obviously speaking more over the course of the next hour or so. Lee, how was your, uh, how was your downhill skiing down Mount Pleasant? How did, how did it go? Was the weather good? Good, good bit of uh, yeah, a Yeah, a bit icy. A bit icy in patches. Yeah. Uh, stacked yeah. it a few times. Other than that, mate, no, no, it's good. Yeah, thanks. Excellent, excellent. Look forward to seeing some footage of that. Anyway, um, as the as the week goes on, but let's let's pick up who we may. Let's get back to uh, to why we're all here today, and that's to obviously discuss the Blues. And um, we we were on last week with with El Pivote, and he was on in in your place, Lee. Obviously, previewing the Brighton game, and um, that's that's come and gone. We're not really going to touch on that. That'll come in at some point over the course of the the next hour, but. Let's pick up if we can the the most recent game on on Friday night against Spurs and massive come to you first probably the the one word I'd choose to probably describe the game is is probably frustrating. Yeah, massively so, mate. Yeah, I said I said on our on our post match that it's off the scale on the frustrationometer from from my point of view. Um, to, to be honest, I think I've, I've watched the highlights back and it was maybe a bit more of an even game than a fourth. You know, Spurs hit the work twice in the second half. They have a one on one. Uh, which Pickford does well from Son, but Everton are, are the better team in general play. I think Everton create the better chances overall, and I think it's it's just always dead frustrating when you score a really good goal to go ahead, and then you get pegged back because it sort of makes that goal forgotten about in, in the grand scheme of things, doesn't it? You know, months and years down the line. But yeah, there's some positive signs, but in the same breath, I think at this point in the season, when you're in the mix for things, it's it's more about results than performances, isn't it? Um, so you sort of look at it and think, yeah, there's things to build on here. We can potentially move forward and get a little bit better. But right now, it's, it's, it should be all about wins. And it's another game that's gone by where we've played against a team that, certainly in the last two home games, we played against a team that we played better than. We played against a team that I think aren't really that fussed and are sort of checked out a little bit. Um, and we haven't been able to get the job done. So, yeah, totally agree, mate. Massively frustrating. Do you echo those those thoughts, Lee? Because obviously we're recording a couple of days later. Um, sometimes when we, we always say this, when you when you look at a game straight after after full time, 
emotions are still quite quite heightened, aren't they? Especially in a game where two mistakes has basically cost us the game. But like Matt saying there, you know, this is the business end of the season now, where you know you, you take a, a scrappy one nil over looking good in a two all. Yeah, I actually totally agree with Matt there. It's all about results in the last stage of the season, 100%. Um, and unfortunately now, is, is that four games now we've gone without a win? I think it's four, isn't it? I think it's five now. Five, five Six now. Six in all competitions, so, yeah. Exactly. And so, you know, for me, we're almost looking over our shoulder now at Leeds and Arsenal. You know what I mean? Rather As opposed to trying to pull away from, pull away from the pack and... You know, we've we discussed this at length in the last few games. It's, it's just it's just super frustrating. Um, you know, we, we we've we've sort of had a mixed bag the last few weeks, but I thought we did enough to beat Spurs in that game. I, I have to agree with Matt. I, you know, Kane aside, I don't think the rest of them are really that bothered. Uh, they know they've had a tough season. I think some of them even know even you know Mourinho's job's probably on the line in the summer as well. So some of them have checked out on that basis. Um, I know a few Spurs fans who absolutely hate Jose as well. Um, and you look at that Spurs team on paper, I'm sure we all did it before kickoff and thought, that's a strong team, that. You know, and, and also their bench as well. You know, the bench, you know, you compare, it, compare it to our bench, they've got, they've got some depth. Um, and, you know, for me, you know, KG opening at the start, both teams trying to get a foothold in the game. Um, you know, and, and they've just scored out of nowhere, haven't they? Um, I mean, it was, well, obviously we'll dissect it in a minute, but that, that first goal was, was, was very soft, but, after that, I thought we knocked it around really nice. I like the way we passed it. The passing was crisp. We, you know, we pressed with intent. Um, you know, it looked a completely different team to the Brighton game. Um, I think that you know people have been criticising Carlo quite a bit. You know, what's our style of play? How are we playing? I think for me, if you just describe it at the minute, Carlo has got. You know, we've said it before, like a Frankenstein squad from several different managers. I think he just looks at what plays he's got available and decides then goes, right, how are we going to set up and play today? It's as simple as that. And there's some players there in that in that squad he just doesn't simply trust at all. And therefore then goes, right, we're going to set up and be hard to beat today like he did against Brighton. We get a few more creative players back, a few more higher level players back, and all of a sudden we look a completely different team against Tottenham. So I think, you know, in terms of answering that sort of style of play question, I genuinely think he's trying to shore up the defence and make it hard to beat, but only opens up a bit when he when he has the players that he trusts to do so. I, I, and I think I think we're more comfortable. I was more comfortable going into the Spurs game on Friday than I was going to the Brighton game, to be honest with you, because I, I knew what to expect in the Brighton game. We knew we had mountains of injuries, which whether people want to take it on board or not, it is a massive, massive factor in how we play. When you when you haven't got some of the, your your most important players, you know, in the Brighton game, obviously the core who's potentially going to go for the remainder of the season, we just don't know. Allen wasn't fifth at the Brighton game. You got your top goal scorer who scored 19 goals this season, wasn't fifth at the Brighton game. You play a Mason Holgate in centre midfield. You know, it's still it was still elements of sort of square peg around hole situation. On Friday against a better side, a more quality side, like you said, Lee. A squad in space, which is ahead of us, make no mistake about it. And that, that's just being honest. The quality that they've got in, say, an 18-19 man squad is much better than what we've got. And, you know, like, like you said before, Matt, it was more to do with the motivation of Spurs. And that should have really played into our hands because of the fact that there's a little bit of unrest that seems with, with Jose Mourinho. Potentially the players have switched off. And that's where the frustration comes in with, you know, two mistakes in the game. Have, have cost us what would have been a comfortable three points because at times you know I mean the second goal was fantastic which we'll talk about in a minute but at times we played some nice stuff and and, and we looked very bright but on that first goal if we go if we go to that first of all there was a lot of mistakes in there it wasn't just a simple case of it's being flicked on by Michael Keane he's got up too early and it's fell to Kane there was quite a few mistakes Matt wasn't there in the build-up and how that goal actually actually came about yeah, and probably the most frustrating thing is in about a minute before Tottenham scored, Everton kicked the ball out of play when the Spurs plays down injured in attacking position. And you know, and I know that doesn't lead directly to the goal by any means. And you know, I love the bones of Hamish Rodriguez, but come on, lad, you know, just just keep going there because they did exactly the same in the second half and and nearly scored from it. But yeah, I think I think the goal, the first goal, and and the second one as well, actually, sort of, I think it's sort of a product of what Lee was saying there in regards to. The manager seems to be happy to change his team week to week, depending on what he's got and depending on the, the opposition we're playing against. So you've got a situation there where Ben Godfrey sort of playing 
half is the third centre back in a back three, half at right back, and is a bit slow getting out to the cross. You know, he doesn't know whether to go into that space or not. And then you've got a situation there where you've got Holgate in the keen in the middle, probably haven't played as a centre back pairing that much this season together. You know, it's tended to be Keane, Mina, Godfrey with Holgate either, you know, at right back or, or, or on the bench. And I think it's just a bit of that bit of uncertainty of, of not knowing where your centre back partner is, not being able to read and anticipate what's going to go on. And I, I think that the first goal doesn't really annoy me as much as the, as the second one. Um, the second one is more of a breakdown, I think. But I think in, in both of them and, and looking at Keane in particular, you know, if, if you've got Michael Keane on the pitch, the one thing you're hopeful of is that when crosses come into the box, he'll be able to deal with them because that, that should be his bread and butter. You know, if, if Son's running at him like he did that one time in the second half out wide, you're thinking this is not a situation he's comfortable in. You can you can expect him to struggle there. But if you get a cross into the box from out wide, you'd expect him to deal with that. Um, and it, yeah, he's just got under it, hasn't he? Um, I, don't think, I don't think Holgate's quite as, as culpable in either of the goals, but maybe he could react a little bit more to the... The second one, uh, to the first one, a little bit better. But yeah, just just one of those things where it looked like three centre backs who were involved in in us conceding that who weren't quite sure and weren't quite aggressive enough. And I think that stems from ultimately not not playing in a set system and getting used to it long enough, or not playing alongside certain players as much, which has come about because of injuries and come about because the manager likes to, to rotate his options there. Yeah, and yeah. the last thing, last person you wanted to fall to is Harry Kane, isn't it? I mean, yeah. <clears throat> He's probably the most cl- clinical striker in the league. Um, I said, uh, I said to one of my mates as well. I said, "Look, albeit hypothetical, you know, we have Harry Kane in our team in that game. We win three or four nil, or three or four two, shall we say? If if, they, if, they, if you're going to say those two goals, and that and that's that's the difference. We, we we created, you know, if you look at the Palace game and the Spurs game, our last two home games where we've let's be honest, we've 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 been poor this season. We've we've had 35 attempts on goal in two games." At home, uh, you know, and, and and created some really big chances in those games as well. And we've missed some sitters. You know, we should have we should have walked the Palace game. You know, they're another team, Matt, like you were saying before, with the flip flops on, aren't they? They've got nothing to play for. You know, we threw that game away. And I don't want to jump on Keane too much. It's a weird one because you know, he, overall for me, he's had a, he's had a decent season since we've switched back to this. Uh, you know, this this central three. He struggled. He's been, he played he played right of a three, didn't he, against Palace? And that's where the goal came from in his space there, you know, um, from that side where the lad bent it in the corner. And then arguably he's at fault for the two goals here. Um, I just don't think he's comfortable at all in that system. I think Keane, when you're playing in a low block with a back four and he has to, you know, he has to win the headers, kick it, and he, you know, he's, he's not bad with the ball at his feet, that, that's, that's where Keane comes into his own. And that's where he made his name at Burnley, wasn't it? But suddenly, we, you know, Carlo likes to tinker with it, likes to change it. He likes his players to be tactically flexible. And, and, and I think Keane has struggled in that. You know, he looked a bit more comfortable in the centre of a three against Spurs. But, you know, arguably, those two absolute clangers have cost us the game. Um, you know, that wasn't the only chance the Spurs created. Like you said, Matt, they did have a few other chances. But you'd like to think, you know, we had 18 shots, seven on target, you know, that should be more than enough to create to, to create home. Oh, and Hammers was pulling the strings, wasn't he? I mean, some of the passes, some of the little touches. I mean, that pass into Richarlison where he's given he's given um, Alderweireld the eyes there. Alderweireld's shifting over, thinking it's going to Luca Dean. He's played it inside him. To be honest, it's a tame effort from Richarlison. That I mean, he's made it easy for Larice by dragging it into him. But he's, you know, again, I hate to say it, that's Kane. He probably gives the keeper the eyes and hooks it in the other corner. You know what I mean? And, and it's one nil. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a tricky one. But I don't want to jump too much on Keane because I think overall, you know, he, he has had a decent season. Um, he's probably thrown away his players of the season uh, chances now with with the last two home games. But other than that, I think he has had a decent season, to be fair to the lad. Yeah, I think the, the, the mistakes he made on Friday, I think they're just, they're just ones you go, he's had a shit game. He's just yeah. he's just had a he's just had yeah. a shit game and he's made some some you know big mistakes in in the match and you know those matches happen. I think the ones you mentioned there, Lee, in regards to you know Brighton, uh, sorry, uh, Palace at home and some of the ones he's made recently, it's more to do with us being playing in a different system and him playing in positions where he's not comfortable. And I think those are those are mistakes that have come about because of the system. Really, on Friday, like like I said, you know you want Michael Keane in those moments. You want him. Heading and clearing crosses away. You know, you think back to the Merseyside derby and how, how well he did 
that yeah. night at Anfield playing in that position and doing exactly that. You know, our second goal comes from him reading across really well and, and getting it out. Um, but I just think he had a bad night. I just think he had a bad night on, on Friday. And I think maybe the worry for someone like him is that there's been times in his Everton career where he's shown himself to be a little bit fragile in, in the confidence department and where a couple of mistakes can can knock him. And, and maybe he's just going through that at the moment. Maybe the England thing not helped either being dropped from that squad. You know, I don't know. But um, yeah, it, it, I think both guys just look at them and go, Yeri Mean is in the team. Maybe he deals with both of those a little bit better. I think he's a bit more dominant and reads the danger a bit better in those situations. I think I think the second goal. I I, I said at, at the time um, on on Twitter that it was quite clearly an audible shout from Michael Keane. It is, was because Hoggy sort of ducked out of the whole thing, didn't he? So there was quite clearly a shout there. But I think what what's then happened is Holgate is still then coming back as much as he's trying to pull out of it, and Keane's then thinking. He's going to come. He's going to knock right into me. Then, so he sort of semi heads goes to head the ball without obviously not without fully committing to the clearance, and that's how the mistakes come about. So it's a little bit of I'm going to get clattered here. So probably not quite brave enough to sort of you know take take a knock and book get the ball clear. Um, I mean, you know, it's it's a good finish from Harry Kane, but I mean they, they were waxing lyrical about it. But you'd expect any centre forward with the the salt to stick that in the back of the net from from the position that he was that he was in. Just, just, what, just. I totally agree with you. I mean, one other thing, maybe as well, just, just coming to me. Then maybe it's the fact that it's Kane. You know, just, just him being there just makes defenders nervous. You know, if, if you've got a great striker and you know he's, he's sniffing around. You know, if, if you're playing against a team like Palace, you've got, you know, all due respect to him, someone like Ben Teke. Um, you know, you're not too fussed. You know, you can go in. You, know, you can deal with the game. You can be dominant. You can be aggressive against them. If it's Kane, you're probably a bit more on edge, and maybe that was a bit of a contributing factor. Essentially so, and the, the, the mental side of the game is so important, isn't it? Um, and when, when you have got top, top quality strikers around you, which you're going to see in the Premier League, and, and Harry Kane is one of the best strikers in Europe, make, make no mistake about it. And for me, he'll probably move on in the summer, to you know, whether it's to a Premier League side or whether he takes the, the chance and goes abroad to a big side. Um, but yeah, you, you, you're right there in terms of the impact of playing against real, real quality and what it can do to you, to you mentally. Um, but I think, I mean, we don't want to, want to sort of dwell too much on the fact that, you know, we had two mistakes in the game, which have cost us obviously all three points there. Because, you know, like you, like you were saying, Lee, in terms of the chances that we created during the game, you know, I think it was, was it the first time since the West Brom game at Goodison Park that we created 10 or more or had 10 or more attempts on goal in the first half, which is, you know, what, what, what a, a stat that is. But it was more the fact that. Out of those seven on targets, okay, we've scored two. One's a penalty, one's a great finish from Guilty Sigurdsson. Those other chances that we've had that were on target pretty much, you look back at when it was two all, and to be fair, we've reacted again. We've you know we've we've been pegged back, but we've we've t- you know taken the ball by the horns and we've tried to win the game. You look at the chance that Josh King has when he, he comes on, puts the ball right at the feet of Long. He comes to Richardson, and you would put your house on him, Lee, wouldn't you, to stick that in the back of the net? And they're the kind of chances that we're talking about in terms of if you want to get European football and you want to win games, you can't afford to miss straightforward chances like that. No, they were two good chances, weren't they? Um, and it, it was the architect again, James, wasn't it? Again, just mm-hmm. the weight of the pass. You know, a great run from King, to be fair. I think if, I'm, if I remember rightly, I think that's his first shot in an Everton shirt as well. I can't remember him having a shot. Um at all, so it was a good run. He's used his pace. He's got ahead of Alderweireld, and if you're being super critical, again, top striker there just rolls it in near post. He tried to obviously hit it across the keeper, but you know because he's got that yard on Alderweireld there. If he has that just little bit of composure, if you look at if you look at it again, there's probably three or four yards to Larice's left near post, and top striker there potentially just rolls that in the corner. It's three two. But to be fair, he's made it. You know, he's he's made. Contact. I think for him, he was just looking at getting it on target. It's come out to Richarlison. It's a good chance, but it's a difficult chance. That. I know there's a few stills been going around on Twitter saying, how's he missed that? I mean, it, football's not like that, is it? It's not in slow motion. It's come at him quickly. He's sprinting in as well, looking for leftovers. And, you know, he's 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 just blazed it, hasn't he? He's tried to, you know, I think he's opened his foot, tried to side foot. He's tried to control it, but he's just blazed it completely over and, he probably should have scored. It's one of those nights for Richie, wasn't it? He had a few headers as well from set pieces and 
like I said, the other one before where he, where he tried to bend it and he's got it wrong. And yeah, he, he's not had his most prolific season for us, Richarlison. Um, um, and what's been an indifferent season for us overall, I think he's. Yeah, I was hoping he'd get sort of you know upwards of fifteen goals really this season after his last two seasons. But obviously, he's not been quite as prolific. Um, but you know, all day he's still one of our best players, and you can't be overly critical there. But. Yeah, I, I just wanted to mention as well, mate. Apart from apart from the chances there, I mean, Gilfie Sigurdsson. I mean, how many times, Matt? I'm sure you've discussed him several times on on, on your podcast, and he's an enigma, isn't he? I mean, the, when he when he plays like that, you just think, give the guy a new contract, because he, you know he's he's got that in his locker, Gilfie. He's an intelligent player. Carlo clearly likes him. You know, he's he's. Um, for me, I don't know why Carlo persists in, in dropping him deep sometimes because he just cannot play that role. But when Gilfie, you saw the you saw the intelligent link up between Gilfie and Hammers in that game. You know the little Cruyff that Hammers gives, give and go. You know Gilfie, if Gilfie can show that level of consistency, you know he's an asset to our team, isn't he? Yeah, but I think the thing with him, he, he never will. No, I mean how, how old is he? Is he 30, 31 now? Is he? I'm not not entirely so, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's one of them with him. I think he's he's always just going to be a player who, you know, he's not going to control games. But if he can get the ball to him on the edge of the box, there are there is a chance he can be productive. Um, he feels like a player you need to have supplementary pieces around. But and yeah, I, th- I think like you said, I think the manager tr- trusts him to do a job, doesn't he? Whether that's playing in his normal position, whether it's playing out on the left hand side, where it's playing a bit deeper. I think he, he trusts him to do a job. But there are times, and there are far too many times where. You're watching a match and you're thinking, what's he contributing here? What, what's he offering to the side? Why has he got the armband on? You know, all, all those sorts of things that people say about him. But, you know, in terms of finishing, he's, he's probably up there with the best finishes we got at the football club, really. You know, as much as I think back to that Burnley game earlier in the season when he missed that great chance to win the game for us that day. I think if you put the ball in front of him with, you know, a, you know, a goal to aim at with the keeper to beat, I think he's, he's pretty reliable. But... He's got a good record against Spurs, hasn't he? This season, I think he got three right. assists, yeah. three assists and a goal in the uh, in the cup game, and then uh, scored scored two the other night as well. So maybe it's just something with that. But I I, I think they'll look to give him a new contract because I think the manager likes him. I think um, we saw in that interview that Mason Hargate and Ben Godfrey did with Rio Ferdinand's channel that the I think a lot of the younger players look to look up to him in regards to the example he sets on the the training pitch and all that that kind of thing. Um, I'm not entirely sure I would, but you know, it's. I feel as though whenever Sigurdsson has a game like this where he sticks a couple of goals in, he scores a great, you know, a great finish. We always say, you know, he's got to kick on now. He's got to do. It, he's got to be more consistent, and he never quite does it. Um, so as much as I can sit here and say he was magnificent on Friday and he scored a wonderful goal, I've not got faith he's going to put together a run of five games where he's going to be doing similar things because, unfortunately, he's not been able to do that throughout his, his Everton career. Well, that's why he's an enigma, isn't it? It's so frustrating to watch because you watch that second goal there. Obviously, Seamus made a big difference when he came on. I thought Seamus was direct. You know, Awobi is another question. We can discuss that again. But, you know, but Seamus comes on, he's direct. He gets his head down, plays a lovely one-two. That, that is a class finish, that. That is a class finish. You know, the ball's coming across him on his weak foot. 90% of players there would lash at that with their right foot and it probably gets blocked by Alderweireld. The fact he's let it come across him gives him the yard to get the shot off. And he's just caressed it, hasn't he, in the corner? I mean, keeper's got absolutely no chance. It's bending away from him. And you just think, that's a finish of like, you know, you'd expect from someone like Lewandowski or someone like that. You know, that's the sort of finish. It was just a casual side foot, bottom corner. I mean, what a goal. What what an absolute goal. Like, Mike, you've said it, you know, possibly one of our, you know, certainly being the top five goals of the season. Just a lovely move. And, you alluded to it before, Matt. It's just a shame it wasn't the winning goal. It deserved to be the winning goal, really, didn't it? Mm. Yeah, the, mate, the yeah. With, Sorry, go on, Mike. The thing with, no, it's okay, mate. The thing with Sigurdsson this season, what, what I've liked at times with him, and we all be, you know, we're so frustrating. I, like you said, sometimes he's playing too deep. It doesn't work for him. But what I've liked is we, we've seen him a little bit more do that kind of thing. So, obviously, the goal against, against Spurs, Sheffield United, a way lovely finish when he's just coming into the box. Leeds as well, you know, when he's played, played a bit further forward. We've seen more of that as Sigurdsson this season, which has been has been nice to see. I mean, if you look at it, look at his stats um, in terms of all competitions, he's played 37 games, he's scored eight goals 
and he's had nine assists now compared to last season and previous seasons it's it's not a bad it's not a bad return but we like we keep on saying we want him to be doing it week in week out we want him to be having that kind of imprint on a game every single week and it doesn't always work out I mean you, you know my frustration with Sigurdsson when he throws in that uh, that tackle when the ball's already gone past him but he still he still slides as if he's going to get anywhere near the ball to say, well, yeah, I had to go. I did, I did try and get the ball, and the ball's already well gone. He, he frustrates the life out of me in that, in that sense. But we know technically he's very, very good, and it was good to see him and Hamez at times just link up, link up nicely. And like we said, Carlo trusts him, and I fully expect he is, he is 31. I just double checked then. I fully expect probably another 12 months to be tagged on to the end of his of his, of his, uh, his contract, to be honest with you. Um, Now's but, the time you know, to give him a contract, though, isn't it? On the back of that performance. <laughs> let, should, have sorted it, should have sorted it after team. the Anfield derby. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. They could have given him a 10-year one after that and everyone would have been made up, yeah. <laughs> he could have brought him on the ass back after the derby and everyone would have been uh, celebrating that, to be honest with you. They could have done whatever he wanted, but... It's. I mean, it's since the derby game that we haven't we haven't really kicked on, which is which is you know so frustrating in itself. When you have a performance like that, you know you you go there and win for the first time since 1999, and you just think you know the players must be on cloud nine. You must think, listen, the the, the world's our oyster this season. We we could break top four, and then since then, really the, the wheels have come off a little bit. Like we've said, injuries have certainly not helped things. Uh, and the you know show me any side who can deal with having. Sort of seven, eight, nine first team players, important first team players injured at the same time because not many will be able to to obviously come out of most games with it with a win. Um, but this, yeah, you know, overall thoughts are frustrating. Um, you know, should have won the game, and and two mistakes have have cost us. And and the question really is now, you know, when we look ahead to Arsenal shortly. Is your off the table? Is is I mean, really now? Is as as the chance gone after after the last three games cost us? What what are your thoughts on that, Lee? It's still not over. It's still not over. I mean, a lot of teams are sort of dropping points, aren't they? I mean, West Ham dropped points. You'd never have thought they'd have lost at Newcastle yesterday on the run they've been on. Um, albeit with ten men, they got back into the game. Um, but teams are dropping points. Um, I do think the I do think the top four is going to be now or the final sort of four. Leicester could potentially drop out again. They've got some key injuries. West Ham obviously losing Declan Rice, Antonio as well could be crucial for them. Don't be surprised if um, towards the end of the season Chelsea and Liverpool occupy those spots, um, and then all of a sudden you've got you know the so-called top four that you probably expected at the start of the season really. Um, but in terms of Europa, I still think there's a real chance there for us. Um, We've said it a lot of times, it's a must-win game, must-win game against Palace, must-win game against Burnley, must-win game against Spurs. And obviously, you know, we've picked up, you know, just the two points from those three games. Um, so, Arsenal's the key game now. You know, Arsenal are on a bit of a run, uh, i say a reasonable run. I mean, they had a great win in Prague the other day. They played some great footy. Lacazette looks like he's banging in goals. They look a completely different team when they've got Saka and smith throwing in there because they've got legs. Um, and that that won't be an easy game, but we need to we need to get a result there. We definitely need to get a result if we want to get this European place. I weirdly we've got to play Villa twice as well, haven't we? In in, in the last in the last few games yeah. as well. So you've just got to hope we play a Villa without Jack Grealish because Villa with Grealish, Villa without Grealish, are a different animal altogether. And the stats show that as well. Even if you watch them on TV, they just don't look anywhere near the same team without Grealish in the side. We just got to hope we play at least one of those games without him coming back into that team because when he does come back, he'll lift everyone just by him being in the side. Um, so those games are vital. You know, the Villa games, Arsenal. Um, we've got to get results in those games. But if Calvert-Lewin is back, um, um, and obviously we, the key is that you know Alan Alan stays fit between now and the end of the season. Hamas stays fit between now and the end of the season. I do think we can still get it. I really do. I mean, Kane's obviously done his ankle there. Shame he didn't do it after two minutes, wasn't it? He did it in the ninety second. <laughs> um, but if that's his ankle gone again, that could potentially be another few weeks out, and that could be vital for them because that Vinicius is, is nowhere near the same player. Um, and Son sort of dropped off form in the last few weeks as well. So um, it's still a shout, Mike. It's still a shout. Um, I mean, we take Europa now. I mean, if we're if we're being brutally honest with that squad, you know, we probably would have all thought Europa would have been a realistic 
shout at the start of the season anyway. Yeah, we've got a we've got a hard run in, haven't we? You know, Villa yeah, twice, yeah. Arsenal, where we haven't won since the mid nineties, West Ham, we were doing well, City on the way, you know, even if City plays have been out on the AL celebrating the title, they'll probably still <laughs> be able to wipe the floor of us, to be fair, won't they? So that that's tough. And then we've, I think we've got Sheffield United and Wolves at home. But, you know, the home games in themselves have been tough, haven't they, for us recently. So you know, I think I think it's you know, similar to what Lee said, really. I don't think it's gone by any means because, you know, you look at the table there and if, you know, if we win this ill-fated game in hand, which I'm just sick of talking about, <laughs> um, then we'll go above Tottenham into seventh and that, that should be enough for the Europa League or the Europa Conference or, or whatever it is. You know, that, you know, you know, I don't, I don't really care what it is. I just want to be getting on a plane to go and watch Everton somewhere next season. I'm, I'm not fussed about what competition it's in at, at this point. That's the most important thing. But, it's um it's gonna be it's gonna be a big test for us. Um but it's been a mad season, hasn't it? And I think the the one thing that you know if we're trying to be positive about this is that when we sort of went through this similar set of games around Christmas time, we we, we picked up some good results to we beat Arsenal, beat Chelsea, beat Leicester, um, and managed to, to find a way through. And you know I mean the the, the worry for, the worry for me about this and you know I think Lee's right in regards to Hamez looks fit and Alan looks fit and you know they're two key components for this side obviously performing well. You wouldn't be surprised if we we got the team news on Friday and one of them or both of them were out with you know a, a little knock and and, and when when available. And I think that's that's really it's really hard to build a team around and and get you know consistency when some of your key parts. And out injured all the time, or, or need a rest here and there, and and, and that, that is a little bit of an issue because I think when those two are out the side, you know, we, we've you know we haven't had the results to show it in the home games, but we've seen how much better we've been creatively since since Rodriguez has been in. You know, we've been so much more inventive and productive in the in the final third in regards to our our chance creation. If you take him out, you know, it's just it's just eleven lads on the pitch, sort of. With, you may as well have the hands outstretched going to do a pass the ball to here. Um, it's 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 really difficult to envisage just doing anything without, without them too. But um, yeah, lots of lots of times to go. But I think Arsenal will be tough next week. I think the key games for me, I think are West Ham and the, the, the two Villa ones. I think they're going to be really tight, really horrible matches. And if we can get get through, so we've got seven games left. You're looking at four wins, aren't you? I think you need four wins. So it's just whether you look at those fixtures and think, are we capable of doing that? Um, and I think it'd probably be a bit of a stretch for us. But the way the season's been, the way this team's been at times this season with the mad results they've pulled out, you wouldn't put it totally past them. It'd be great if we could bookend it and we started with seven wins at the start of the season and all comps. If, <laughs> if we could finish with seven wins, that'd be, uh, that'd be incredible. Big just, shout, though. Just Arsenal's one of those games that are just never... Like similar to Tottenham at home, actually, just never fancy us to get a, you know, because typically we don't get anything, but just always looking at anything, feel like it's a bit of a write off. But yeah, I think, I think it would be positive. I think that the good thing recently, certainly with the two home games, is that we've not come away from them going, what, what on earth was that? You know, you think about the, the Newcastle, Fulham, and Burnley games, and I think collectively in those matches, everything created one good goal scoring opportunity. Which they took through, you know, Carvalhoon against Burnley. Other than that, I can't remember us creating a chance against Fulham. Can't remember us creating a chance against Newcastle. Um, they were they were rotten. Some of the worst home performances I've seen from an Everton side in a long time. Um, so uh, you know, this this might sound a bit like at least we're not getting beat at home anymore, <laughs> and that's sort of being a positive. It's you know, very much the bare minimum. But um, I think it's it's good that we're seeing chance creation. It's just you know, can they keep can they can they marry that more enterprise and attack and play? And by staying solid at the back as well, because it's been the defending that's cost us a little bit in both of those games at times. Mm. I mean, you touched on there, obviously, when, you know, it wouldn't surprise you if you saw it on Friday, oh, there's no Hammers or there's no Allen. And, you know, the the, the two of them have, have had their, their injuries and, and the periods of, of rest over the course of the season. And one concern that we've had for a little while is, is the, the distinct lack of, of squad depth when we get down to after, say, 12 or 13 players. There's, we struggle, you know. We even even those players who are on the periphery, likes of Enkonku uh, as a, as an example, he's played limited time at the start of the season when he got brought in against Newcastle away. And it was almost as if Carlo had seen enough there and thought, no, no, he's not ready for first team football, in my opinion. And and he hasn't really been seen. Uh, well, he hasn't really come on the pitch at all for the uh, for the first team since then. But obviously, 
when we do lose someone like James, Allen, obviously the Coy that we've seen, Calvert Lewin, Yeri Mina. Um, you know, we, we've had a few suspensions with Richarlison as well over the course of the season. When we're losing that kind of quality, we haven't got the quality to call upon in the rest of the squad to, to replace them. Um, and that, that that's probably my my biggest concern in terms of the, these final seven games. If we do get into a position where James is, is out again for a game or two or Allen, you know, we think he's back and he's not back and, you know, he's, he, he played against Spurs. Might not see him against Arsenal. We just don't know, and that's the biggest, the biggest thing for me is when we lose one of those, especially the players who were brought in in the summer to really improve the side. The only player who we've consistently seen who got brought in in the summer has been Ben Godfrey. That's the only one who's been there and he's played in about five or six different bloody positions. And you know, we he's for me up there as one of one of our players of the season, um, in, in my opinion. But we haven't seen you know, Decore. Obviously unlucky with this injury now. Um, but Hamez in and out of the side, Allen in and out of the side. And it's what, what we can what we can do with the players that we do have available when we, we have those uh, those key players not fitting. I think my, my my thoughts, Matt, are going forward into the new transfer, uh, the next transfer window. Sorry, we've got to be looking to get him quality on a similar level of the Allen's, the Corey Hamez. Ben Godfrey, so you know Luca Dean. So when we are losing key players to injury, we can call upon the same kind of quality off the bench. Yeah, I mean it, it all comes back to recruitment, doesn't it? And that is something we've been horrendous, horrendous at, like for, for a long time now. And you, you look at some of those players who I imagine we'll all be looking at going, you know, he's not good enough to fill in for player X. He's in the first team. Probably spends a fair bit of money on them, you know. And look at it, you know, Alex Wobie is obviously one. Andre Gomez is one. Fabian Delph is one. You know, you, you can you can rattle them off. There's, there's, there's so many players there that we brought in who, who just aren't quite good enough. But yeah, I think it's I think I think a lot of teams are in a similar position, aren't they? I think outside of maybe City and Chelsea, if someone loses a key player, it is very detrimental. You know, even Liverpool, who, who won the league last year, they lost a few defenders earlier this season. And the roof caved in on them effectively, and they've had a season where they're struggling to finish in the top four. And you know, out of all the, the competitions, relatively early on by their standards. But yeah, I think I think the summer's going to be dead interesting. I think I think the signings we made last summer, obviously the four main ones. I think you could sort of put them into two categories. I think those those players who were for the here and now that were Decore, James, and Alan. And I think you had a player in Godfrey who they didn't anticipate being for the here and now, thought he'd be around the first team squad, play a few games, but it's more like an investment um, for the future. Obviously, that's that's turned out very well for us because, like you said, he's been one of our best players this season. I think I think what I'd like to see in the summer is sort of that three-to-one dynamic we saw last summer flipped a little bit. I think we need to get some younger players in through the door who are more dependable in regards to the fitness. You can recover quicker if we're in Europe and we've got a, a you know, more of a schedule. We've potentially got, uh, you know, better reset. You know, all these boring things that people talk about when it comes to football transfers. But I do sort of look at our squad at times and think it's, you know, we, we are dependent on some players who are a little bit injury prone, like I said, but we're not quite dynamic enough. We're not quite aggressive enough. And I think I think we need to be looking at players who can, can bring that into into the team. Um, and I think looking at players in sort of the age brackets of 21 to, to 25, um, you know, potentially pick players we could pick up from Europe for a bit cheaper, and then maybe bring in one more experienced player who can we can drop into the team at a certain point and, and do a, a job right now. But I wouldn't want to see another set of 29, 30 year olds come in to the squad um, because it feels as though you know already you know we've been having conversations about Hamez and. I think people are just fearful he's going to leave because we've not seen him in the flesh yet. And, you know, good things don't happen to us as a, as a football club. But you're sort of looking beyond him already because of his, his fitness and his age. And, it's you know, it's the same with Alan. So, yeah, I think I'd like to see players brought in this summer. Obviously, we're of quality, but potentially with a little bit more of a, a long-term view to the recruitment. Mm. I mean, talking, I mean, Hammers has only played 24 times this season in all competitions, which when we're comparing to, say, Guilfi Sigurdsson, who's knocking on for nearly 40 games. Um, it shows you, obviously, the, the struggles that we've had with, with his fitness. I mean, in that time, by the way, he still scored six goals and got nine assists. So it, yeah. it shows you how important he is 
to our side when it comes to creativity and you know his, his percentage of goal involvement is very is very very good um but lately what do you echo what Matt's saying there and, and obviously my thoughts in terms of you know the, the concerns around squad depth but more importantly what Matt said in regards to who whoever does come in in the summer has got to be in a particular age bracket uh, for, for a variety of reasons yeah I'd, I'd have to agree with that if we're building for the long term and not the short term which is what you hope we are then that's the case, isn't it? I mean, you have to look at the you know the recruitment for someone like a Leicester. You know, they've signed some really, really good players at a good age. You know, one who stands out is that Fafana, centre back. You know, they've pulled him over from France. He looks a real player. Um, yeah, I, I do think Ben Godfrey for me um, was a shrewd signing. I think we need a, sh- a few shrewd signings in that sort of category. How many times did we watch Norwich last year? I mean, they beat us at our place, but. I don't think anyone, anyone, I've not heard anyone mention, oh, yeah, do you see that centre-back, Ben Godfrey? He looked, he looked the real talent. Do you know what I mean? And everyone was talking about Max Ahrens at right-back, weren't they? And, and Buendia and Puki and you know, Campwell and people like that. Um, so, Godfrey was a real shrewd signing. And hopefully, he'll go on to be a, a top player for us. Um, it looks like the Max Ahrens one again linked in the summer. Uh, link, sorry, linked uh, again this week, sorry, for the summer move. I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, if that's been trying to be worked on in the background, to be honest. Um, and obviously, brands hopefully work his magic to not down that fee from thirty million to more like twenty million. Um, but he's the sort of category we're looking at. It's someone in that sort of age bracket who's obviously got, you know, potentially another ten years, ten years ahead of him. Um, I do. I know Norwich got promoted yesterday, so that might increase the price a little bit as well. But um, I like looking at their midfield as well. That, that Buendia is a real player. He's only twenty-one, um, an Argentine. He's just got something about him, isn't he? He's technically good. He's got a little bit of pace. He's got a bit of everything, really. Um, he, he, I think, for me, with the mix we've got in midfield now, he'd be perfect, someone like that sort of ilk, really. Um, but, yeah, we, we desperately need pace in that team as well, don't we? Someone with a bit of dynamism. I look at someone like um, how well Rafinha's done at Leeds. You know, someone that plays on the right-hand side, left-footed, almost very... A bit like Mares type, really. But also, you know, the manager's got him tracking back. He's got, he's got him working hard. He looks like he's going to do something every time he gets the ball. Really like Pedro Neto at Wolves. Obviously, unfortunately, the lad's just done his ligaments. But um, players like that who are that sort of age, really, um, you know, who've obviously got a bit of pace and dynamism about them, I think would, would really inject something into our team. Um, but the Hammers one's an interesting one. If you'd have said, really, at the start of the season... With the injury record he had, I think he played six games for Madrid last season. If you were going to get 25 games out of him, we all probably would have said, yeah. You know what I mean? Because we got him on a free. And if he was playing 40 games a season, let's be brutally honest, he probably wouldn't be Everton. You know what I mean? He'd probably, probably still be knocking on Real Madrid's door. So, um, so in that respect, it just shows you what he offers us when he plays because he has that extra bit of extra bit of, uh, bit of magic on the ball, really. You just see things other players don't. He always has time and space. Um, we just need to get as many runners off the ball as possible for him. We've become quite predictable a little bit down that left side, him switching plays to Luca Dean. We just need someone coming down the right side. I think I said to you in the week, Mike, when Everton were peak Moyes, we had Coleman down one side, Baines down the other. And we almost kind of, we didn't completely invent it, but we were the ones who had these flying fullbacks, didn't we, going forward, who both created both, you know, Coleman and his pomp was getting, you know, seven, eight, nine goals a season. Um, and I think we just need someone with that dynamism down the right side who can make runs. Because um, ha- all, all we have to do with Hammers is get him on the ball and have runners running off him and he'll find you. Um, and hopefully it won't be as one-dimensional as just you know, trying to look for the left-back. Um, so it's an interesting one. But I, I do think, you know, I've, I overall have been impressed with what Brands has done at the club. He's had a lot of mess to deal with. I know some fans have jumped on him. But ultimately, you know, he's been involved in over 80 transfers in a short space of time. He's got rid of a lot of, you know, let's be honest, a lot of crap out of the team. Um, hopefully, he can get rid of a few more in the summer. Um, and if we if we get those three or four players, you know, and they stay fit, I, I do th- I do think we'll have a good season next season. You know, I think Lee mentioned the player there and Rafinha. Yeah, there's another couple of ones down there. Yeah, uh, Basuma as well. You know, for far yeah, as well, you said at, at Leicester. You know. They're the sorts of players you look at and go, those clubs have got them through really good scouting and really strong recruitment departments because they're not they're not players that you know people are well aware of playing at top clubs and they're probably all doing all right 
you know, certainly in Rafinha and Fafana's case, I'm not entirely sure where Basuma came from, to be honest. So forgive me there, but you know, they're players who are probably doing well in that league. Not standing out my, like by a mile, but they've looked at them and thought there's something there to work with and, and, and gone and got them for a big price. And you know, you'd imagine if if all those players were being sold this summer, you know, Rafinha's already been linked with top clubs, Basuma being talked up as potentially going to play for a Champions League club. I've seen Fafana was linked with Manchester United yesterday. You know, they're selling them on after after you know a year or two and they're making an absolute wedge. And then they've got the trust and belief in their recruitment department to go and get the next one from League X or, or League Y. And and that's yeah. that's not not necessarily something that, that we've been able to do because the recruitment has been so poor. Like but but I think that that's that's what I'll be looking at in in the summer. Maybe get a few of those sorts of players in. You know, I think for Farna was thirty million, something wasn't it, like that. But Rafinha and Basuma I think they paid about fifteen million pounds each for them, both both of those both of those clubs. You know, they they looking like really good pickups, and you know it's not easy because you know a lot of clubs are, have got great recruitment departments now and are, are looking at these sorts of, of players, and, and they're, you know they're hard to get. But I think I think that's where I'd probably say I'd be a, a little bit disappointed in Brands. You know, I think there's there's been some great things he's done in regards to shifting players. We brought in some some really exciting players. You know, Ben Godfrey in particular looks like he's going to be. A great acquisition for us in in the long term, but you know, scouring the, the the market on the continent and bringing in players who we can potentially get on the cheap and plug them into the team, and you know, maybe make a lot of money in them in the future. Um, maybe could have done a bit more there, but just just on Rodriguez, I think it's, I think he's just the fact that he's on such a different level technically and football intelligence wise is so obvious. But I think when you when you've got that and it's only there sporadically, that sort of becomes a, a bit of an issue, doesn't it? I think because, you know, it's it's almost like going to play five-a-side with your mates and you've got one player who's just miles better than everybody else and you just keep giving him the ball because, you know, you know he's better than, than the rest of the years and he'll keep it or, and, and score a goal and do something dead good. And then if he doesn't turn up next week, you're all sort of like, oh, what what, what do we do now? You know, this, <laughs> yeah. this lad that we always pass the ball to who's not here. And I think that there's, there's a bit of that, I think, with Hammers, where when, when he's, you know, look at the way in which they fell to pieces the final 10 minutes against Crystal Palace when he went off the other week. Um, so that, that that's a bit of an issue. And, you know, I, I love watching the lad and really hope we can get to see him next season. But there's this, like, pragmatic, sensible part of your brain that keeps saying, would you be better having someone who's not quite as good available for more games over the long term? And I know that is that is a little bit boring, but I think on a positive point of view on him. I think what's been good in the last three games is he's looked a lot fitter. I think he's really benefited from the time off. I felt like there was a, a spell after Christmas, certainly when he was rushed back for that West Ham game uh, on the bench and everyone was like, wow, he's, he's involved. No one expected that. I felt as though the club was sort of trying to nurse him through and he, he clearly wasn't fully fit. You know, At Anfield, he gets an assist at Old Trafford, he scores and he comes off before the hour in both games, um, which I think says a lot about how they were sort of managing his condition. Against Palace, he played 80 minutes. Brighton on uh, Monday, probably wasn't his best game with the ball, but he was, you know, off it probably the most he's run in Everton shirt. And then again on Friday, he was he was on the pitch, winning it back and driving us forward well beyond the 80th minute. So I think he looks like he's benefited from that break and maybe the the short term pain we had to take by not playing him, you know, in a, you know a few weeks ago when he was 70, 80 percent fit and just holding him back until after that international break. Maybe that's benefited him now to the point where he's, I think he's probably in the best shape physically he's been since he's been at the football club. And, and perhaps that in the, you know, in the long term will, will mean that we get to see him a lot more on the pitch, which can only be a good thing. 100%, mate. I totally agree. I mean, I, I, I can't, I, I just pray to God we all get to see him in the flesh at Goodison next season. I really do. Because I think when you see him, when you see a player like in the flesh, I think all of us will there, uh, you know, certainly at home in a few games, we'll all, we'll all be there with our mouths open with some of the stuff he'll be doing. He is, like you said, on a completely different level to everybody else. Not not just technically, but also, like you said, intellect as well. You just see it. You know, like I said, even that even that pass for the goal in the derby, you know, there's probably majority of players there play it straight to Richarlison into his path. He's gone, no, I'll just knock that the other side of the defender. You know what I mean? So he can run onto it. It sounds simple. But in a chaotic, you know, frantic first 10 minutes of a derby, he's just got a clear head. I see the pass. I'm going to roll it to you. And a bit like De Bruyne and players like that, you know, every single time it's perfectly weighted, isn't it? It's just perfectly weighted. The guy doesn't have to move. For me, with Hammers, next season, he'll probably, you know, if he's still here, it probably will be a probably similar output in terms of games. But 
I'm hoping we just have a bit more depth so Carlo can pick and choose when to play him. Sometimes he might do, for example, like he did against Leeds. He knew Leeds was going to be a really sort of you know, energy-sapping game. They play with a high press. He said, let's try and match these. And he's been selective with him and gone, right, OK, I'll bring him on, you know, in the last sort of 20, 30 minutes. And I think, I think that's, if, he, if Carlo can do that and use him against, you know, teams where we're going to have more of the ball, essentially, he'll play a low block. He can play in essentially, you know, 80, 90 minutes. And then if we're playing other teams, then kind of go, oh, look, we've still got the squad here. So we'll just throw him in last 30 when everyone's knackered and he can do some magic yeah. and create goals. I think that's, that's how I think he'll probably want to use him. Uh, and if we get Europe, let's be honest, we're probably going to need to add four or five quality additions, aren't we? And otherwise, you know, like, like what happened at the Martinez, if you don't strengthen when you go into Europe and you're playing the same players midweek and weekend, it's only a matter of time before you start picking four, five, six injuries up. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 and like I said at the very start, I think Carlo, Carlo plays with, with, with what he's got. You know, he, he play he plays with what he looks at that squad and goes right. He doesn't moan about injuries, and I like that. Some managers obviously complain about it and whinge. Even Coleman referred to it in his interview the other day, which is quite comical. But you know, I think to be fair, he doesn't. He just says, "Look, these are my players. We're just going to crack on." But I think if you were to speak to him really and have a private conversation with him, he would say, "Yeah, I've probably got 13, 13 lads here who I really trust." Who I could play more expansively, and, and and we could probably go on and probably score three or four. But as soon as those three or four of those cogs are out out, out the actual uh, out out the engine, it's, it's just not going to it's not going to work. So I'm just going to basically play a very pragmatic yeah. game and try and nick a goal. And I think and then I think that's that's what he's done all season. And hopefully, with a few quality additions in the summer, we might see more of the former and not the latter, isn't it? Yeah, an important summer. We said it over the last the last few weeks. We've had you know little discussions on on the potential transfer activity. It's another another pivotal summer, but it's another summer and another transfer window closer to getting to a Carlo Ancelotti team. You know, it's like you said before, he's he's still you know putting sides together with uh, with a lot, a lot of players, both from other managers, uh, brought in for other systems and things like that. Uh, but if we can get players in of similar quality or maybe slightly less quality than Hammett. But like you said before, Matt, you can play more than sort of 24, 25 games a season. Then hopefully it stands in good in good stead going forward. Um, but we, we'll we'll round off this week's show. We've we discussed it briefly already in terms of obviously the, the Arsenal fixes coming up on Friday. Um, another another important game. You know, they they're playing against Fulham today. Arsenal and if they, if they win that that'll put them only a point behind us and you know things are getting um quite tight behind us now obviously Arsenal leads sides like that who are closing in. Um Arsenal are in, you know, probably in, in, in decent decent form, great win in Europe as we said already, um into the semi final of the of the Europa League. It's I mean it's funny because when you see the likes of the, the Arsenal fan T V clips, you know, every single week because they're always good to go and have a little little watch of them. <laughs> Um, every single week, especially when they when they lose, and they they, they seem to be quite a, an inconsistent side, Arsenal. But the likes of like you said before, Lee Lacazette hitting a bit of form, Saka's back from injury, Smith Rowe, who's who's come on this season and, and been a it's been a, a real talent for them. It's it's going to be a, a game that you know it's going to be difficult. We haven't won there like Matt said before since the mid the mid nineties. But again, you know, with with no fans in the in the in the uh, in the ground with probably Dominic Calvert Lewin back in as well, which would be would be a help. Gomez and Bernard potentially back in the squad, so it makes the squad obviously that little bit better again. Can we go there and win Lee? I think it's a real opportunity. It's a real opportunity to go there and win. Um, we've just got to hope that we have those key players fit. Um, you know, it's, it's just been the tale of our season, like Matt said before. That's you know. Carlo will have a presser and say, "Yeah, unfortunately, Alan's picked up a knock in training. He can't play. Am Am Ames is, uh, you know, unfortunately picked up a niggle or whatever." And then all of a sudden, then you look, go right. Suddenly, like, yeah, we're going to do well to get a point here now. Um, it's a weird one, Arsenal, because they've had a very up and down season themselves. They're clearly prioritising the Europa League now because they know if they can win that, then they've got a chance. It'll probably be an Arsenal United final. Let's be honest. Um, there's a chance that they can get into the Champions League through that route. Um, that may play in our favour potentially. They might rest a few players, um, 
But um, they've had a very, very, very strange season. Uh, you know, Bamiang's been a complete shock for me this season. You know, if you were to ask any Evertonian now, would you have a Bamiang in your team? You snap, you snap your hand, snap your hand off because you know he, he's he's clinical when he wants to be, but he he, he almost looks like now he's, he's he's actually worked his backside off to get the contract, and now he's got his feet up a little bit maybe. But um, you know, but then he look did, at he that. Did, uh... He did contract malaria as well, which hasn't hasn't helped in in the last. No, no, that's that's very, that's very recently, obviously. But I mean, he, he clearly doesn't look anywhere near the same level as he was last year. Um, you know, but look, they can afford to say, look, well, you know, prior to his illness, he, you know, he wasn't even getting in the team. Um, you know, Lacazette was, and again, Lacazette's another player I'd have at Everton, and he, he, he's a very good centre forward. He's, he's very good all round. Holds the ball up well. Clinical finisher. Um, but yeah, Arsenal just. Since he brought, you know, he was on the verge of getting sacked, Mikel. If we all, you know, if we all think back when they were on that horrendous run, they were in the bottom five or six, and then he just, he, he almost threw the dice a little bit and went through Saka in, through Smithrow in, and then all of a sudden, you know, they had a good win against Chelsea, didn't they? Um, when they threw, when they put these youngsters in, suddenly our players, you know, the players were running, you know, these young players injected something into that team, and then they went on a bit of a decent run, then they dropped again. And then they went on another, you know, they sort of almost recovered again. But then I watched them against Liverpool the other day and they were absolutely dire. But then yeah. you look at the team, they had no Smith Rowe in that team, no Saka. So Liverpool played them at the perfect time. So then they had, the, you know, the old, the old boys back in who didn't put a shift in and all of a sudden Liverpool looked like they were going to score four or five. So it's an interesting one. And, you know, overall, Mikel, I think, has done a reasonable job. But, you know, unless they have a strong finish to the season or win the Europa League, like I said, his job could be gone in the summer. So um, it's an opportunity for us, definitely. Um, and and if, if those same players are on the pitch with Calvert Lewin added to it, um, we've got no reason, no fear why we can't go there and create chances and try and win the game. They're such a weird team, aren't they? Like I, yeah. I, I watched, I watched them against West Ham the other week, and the, the first half they were like ab- properly abject, and then the second half they got to go back and they looked. You know the absolute business going forward. You know Odegaard was like pulling the strings, playing as the number ten. They had like I think it was Callum Chambers like ten to Cafu was roaring down the right hand side, and they got you know vibrant young attackers. It was like what on earth's got on here? But they have they have got a they have got a Liverpool at home in them. I think likely they, they've all as much as I feel as though Arteta is doing a lot of good things there. Every now and then they can just chuck in a performance like that where they are utterly miserable for, for ninety minutes and. <laughs> they've been a bit like that for a while, Arsenal, but those games never seem to come against us at, at the Emirates. You know, you see them self-capitulate so often in, in some of these matches at home and their own fans go and mental. Obviously, it's not been the, the same recently, but you just look at them and think, God, they're absolutely horrendous. And then whenever we play them, you know, it seems to they seem to click into a gear. They're just, just one of those sides that never really fancies to get to get anything against. Um They've got some good attacking players, haven't they? You know, they've got a good, lot of good young players there. You know, people like Saka and, and Martinelli and Smith Rowe, as, as you mentioned. I think Odegaard's got a bit of an injury, but he looks like a, a really exciting young player as well. Um, so I think the, those players can always cause you problems, but I think defensively the, there is a lot of weaknesses there. You know, still weeding out David Luiz after after all this time. You know, Pablo Mari, I think, is you know okay. Kieran Tierney's turned into a bit of a crock, isn't he? I think he can't really string games to go without getting injured. So they've got major issues there. But um, uh, you sort of look at the way we played our football our best this season in regards to being compact and, and you know, springing from a, a solid shape and being good on set pieces. And you feel as though we'd be a, you know, this should be a good matchup for us. You know, this really should. We've obviously been better away from home as well. But it's just something about Arsenal and something about the Emirates, something about Highbury that. Seems to bring out the worst in us and, and the best in them. Um, you know, even even last season, you know, we, we went there playing really well, didn't we? Took the lead after 30 seconds. They were terrible, and we still found conspired to, to lose the game, having created loads of chances in the second half and, and missed missed them as well. So, yeah, just it's probably a game to be honest, lads. That's more coloured by my past experiences watching us against Arsenal than than what we're actually seeing from these two teams at the moment. Because it just, just does just feel like sometimes it's just grounds and teams where you, you're never going to win and you're never going to beat. Yeah, it's a bit of a who do we need to put to bed there, like 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 the Spurs game, first game of the season, wasn't it? Um, you know, one of my favourite Everton goals was the, the P&R little dink, 
in the in was it like the snow and hail that was coming down mm-hmm. at the time and yeah that was yeah. a last minute that should have been a last minute winner but we still managed to I think Van Persie scored didn't he in the 97th minute or something it was like that a big, it was a deflected Thomas Rusicki strike oh was it there you go you've got a better, uh, better memory than me um, I think James Vaughan had the chance to make a 3-1 as well straight yeah, after he did. yeah he did goal. yeah but um, yeah they're just they're just not very good are they but just just one of those teams really that, that always seems to find a way against us I mean the, the fact that we've got a worse record there than we have at Anfield probably tells you all you need to know you know we speak about that record well up until this year how bad that record was and we you know how much of a hoodoo that was we've actually got a worse record at Highbury slash the Emirates and a worse record at Stamford Bridge so yeah doesn't doesn't bode well it's got to go at some time it's got to go yeah. at some time we, we've yeah. done it we've done it we've done it against uh, Liverpool at Anfield recently and you know let's be honest if we look back at those those Arsenal teams over the years this has got to be one of their worst um, even though on paper it's not a bad team, certainly in the, like you said in the top half of the pitch, you can get at them defensively. Definitely, I mean, you know, Rob Holding starting in pretty much every game in the minute for him. That tells you everything you need to know. And like you said, David Luiz, you know, how's he still getting a game in that team? And um, Gabriel Tierney's, looks a bit of a, a, do- a bullet yeah. dodge for us as well, doesn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he started well, didn't he? He started the season really well, and you thought, oh no, here we go. He, he looks like he's going to be a top draw player, but then yeah, he seems to have dropped off a little bit and. Tierney I liked. I think when they were going through a really, really crap spell, he was the one that stood up and basically, you know, he showed that sort of grit. Um, and, and obviously, uh, unfortunately, recently for, for them, he, he's picked up quite a few injuries. But, he, 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 you know, I think he'll turn out to, if he stays fit, a good signing. But um, we've, we've, we've got to go there. and We've got to go there and just basically know that, look, play anything anywhere near the level of that Spurs game, um, Palace game, and create chances. And, just be clinical. If we can be clinical, I think we'll win the game. I think we'll win the game if we can be clinical. But we've got, we've got to be clinical in that game, and and, and I think we'll create chances against them. They'll, they'll allow us to play. I don't think they'll be in our faces. I think they will allow us to play, and we. I think we will create if those same players are on the pitch. Mm-hmm. I think if they I lose, can, to, I can see it. Sorry, mate. Just going to say, I think if they, they lose today. I think yeah. Fort will fully turn to the Europa League then for them, and we might see a bit of a scratch side from them as well on Friday because I think the first leg of the, the Europa League tie is the week after is it we play them so we may see them just sort of rotate a little bit and, and bring in some players that you know that aren't quite fancy with that game in mind so yeah. uh, maybe what happens a bit later on today could could be important for us as well with that in mind yeah and Fulham need a win today need yeah a win. definitely definitely yeah so Arsenal play Villarreal first leg 29th of April um, so obviously we, we played on Friday and that'll be the, the next game. So yeah, a lot a lot probably rides on on this afternoon against Fulham. Um but like we've said, you know, let, let, let's hope that the the way they play against Liverpool that, that side turns up because it's it's they, they certainly are Jekyll and Hyde side, probably more than ourselves, Arsenal. Um but I think it's gonna be an open game, I really do. I can I can see I can see goals uh, from from both sides, to be honest with you. Um but if 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 Calvert Lewin's back in, I think it massively helps, takes the pressure off off Richardson as well. Um, and also, I think what we struggled with in in recent weeks is when we've we've had to go long, and sometimes we've gone long more often than not against Brighton. We were doing it quite often, and Richardson's never going to hold the ball up for you. No, no, no fault of his own, he's not that kind of player, and bring players in. Whereas Calvert Lewin, a very very good part of his game, is bringing that ball down back to goal. I'm bringing other players in, and it does relieve the pressure a little bit as well. So I think get Don back in there, get a couple more bodies back on the bench as well. Um, I think we can go there and and win the game. And I'm going to say I'm going to kick off first. I'm going to go for an Everton win three two. I'm going goals below. Yeah, be a great Friday night, that mate. It, it would, yeah, it would, and we have a nice weekend as well afterwards. But uh, I'm going three two. Matt, what are you saying? Uh, I, I can't bring myself to say we're going to win just because it's Arsenal and the Emirates. But I, I, I think I tend to agree with everything you said there. I think there'll be goals. I think, I think with Don back, he tends to do pretty well against Arsenal. Always seems to cause their centre back problems. So I'll go to all. Lee, goal fest, eh, boys? Goal fest. Get get on the both teams to score on your racket there. <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I, I think it's going to be a score draw as well. To be honest. Um, I'm going to say one all. I'm going to say one all. I think um, as much as I'd love the hoodoo to be broken, I do think 
I do think Arsenal will, uh, you know, they'll definitely score because obviously the way we defended recently has, been, has not been great. But I do think we'll cause them problems. So I'm going to, I'm going to go one all. Sounds like you're a West Ham fan now, Mike. They, they, haven't they had three 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 two three two three three or something? Something mad like that in the yeah. last four games. Certainly have. Certainly classic, have. Classic boys football, that, isn't it? I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> Since when did Moy turn into Martinez? Don't we? <laughs> I know. They, they, they're Jekyll and Hyde side from the first half to the second half, aren't they? West Ham, one way or another. Absolutely incredible what's happening there. But uh, good good to the uh, they dropped, dropped some points yesterday because when I got back to 2 all, I thought to myself, here we go. You know, down to 10 men, back to 2 all. We know how this is going. But uh, Newcastle decided to, to to get the win, which was which was good. Um, but no, we, we've listen. We, we'll take care of our own own business. We've got West Ham to come. Um, we've got a lot of important games on the on the horizon, and no more important than, than Friday against against Arsenal. But that's us for this week, Matt. Thanks very much for giving up some time uh, on a on a Sunday morning to speak to us, mate. Oh, pleasure, lads. No, lovely way to spend a Sunday morning. <laughs> it certainly is, and let, let's hope let's hope we uh, we get Pete back in next week, and there's no injuries from his. Uh, his activities uh, this morning and over the course of today, but we will be back next weekend to, to look back on the on the Arsenal game and hopefully look ahead to a game against Aston Villa, which might be on. It might not be on. We don't know. We'll find out after the Arsenal game, so we'll catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.